मशीन Hi and welcome to Attention Please podcast on Talking Stuff Network. We are recording this on Sunday the 3rd of February India time and this is episode 27. 27? What of 26 you ask? Well, as you might have realized by now, we did not have an episode last week. But we recorded one, an amazing one with our guest Raja Sen, but the tech gods were displeased and we lost the entire episode. So will we ever manage to recover it? Who knows? But as of now, it's highly unlikely. And on that morose note, let's welcome our host, Arnab. Hey, Arnab, disappointing week last time around. Huh? It, it was because this was, uh, because I always enjoy having guests. And even more than talking incessantly, which I do for all the other podcasts, I really like it when I have a spirited discussion uh, with a guest. And it was, I really enjoyed having Raja. I think it was a very, very good conversation. Uh, it was very sad that the whole thing has been irretrievably lost because I think there were a lot of important things that, that came out. Uh, and I'll talk about, uh, I'll talk about the main thesis and why, uh, I, I want, I had wanted Raja especially for that episode because I was initially planning to do that, uh, previous episode. Uh, as I normally do without a guest. And I wanted to talk about reviewing movies, especially nowadays, this obsession with movies which are considered to be right-wing. And I, I was going to work off a review that Raja had written on the Thackeray biopic. And then I thought, why not have Raja himself? And we can discuss it uh, rather than me talking about it. And that's really, that's really what the whole uh, uh, hour-long conversation was about. Uh, the Thackeray biopic and reviewing movies and I mean, how do you review movies? And and we'll, we'll talk about it later. But again, what has happened has happened. And I just hope that this doesn't happen in the future. Uh, again, it's yeah, for, for uh, a lot of you wrote in as to, you know, why does this happen? Because the reason why this happens is you see, we don't record in a studio. We can't because I'm in the US and, you know, more of my guests are in India. So uh, this kind of problem wouldn't happen if we were in a studio. But what happens is we use uh, podcasting software. And by the way, this, this we mean we, we pay for that. Uh, so it's not as if we are, we're doing it like free stuff. So, uh, so we use like professional podcasting software. And what happens is, at every end, the audio is being recorded. So there is no really master record till everything has ended. Uh, and so we do hear. So when we were doing the whole uh, interview with Raja, what we heard was perfect. But then because of essentially a sampling error, uh, his voice was sampled at too high a rate. And so it kind of came out sounding like the chipmunks. Uh, and again, there's no way that uh, we can un- we, we can even know that that is going on. We do know when somebody's connection drops off and that right. happens all the time. Uh, and that's normally not a showstopper. But if something like this happens where essentially uh, it's some- not something which we can even understand real time, then there's little that we can do. Uh, some of you have asked us, can we do the interview again? 
Now, the, the reason why I'm not doing the interview again is it's very difficult to, you know, otherwise it becomes too rehearsed. Uh, the main thing about an interview and debate is it's very organic. That's also the reason why I don't have a, a script. So I don't think it's possible to recreate an interview. Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, just becomes that. It becomes a recreation. Of course, I want to have Raja again, and I apologize to Raja. Uh, and we'll have Raja, and we'll have a different topic at that point of time. Maybe Shah Rukh Khan, because that seems to work a lot. Uh, but for now, we're not going to be uh, doing a repeat of that interview with that theme. Having said that, just, just wanted to say, Shah Rukh Khan is working for us, but not for Shah Rukh Khan apparently of late. Yes, so Shah Rukh Khan has reached that stage. This happened to uh, this happened to Devanand too at one point of time, where uh, discussing Devanand was was very popular, not necessarily <laughs> Devanand's movies. And uh, I think Shah Rukh Khan should. I guess we end up talking about Shah Rukh Khan a lot on this program, but Shah Rukh Khan, Shah Rukh Khan, Shah Rukh Khan should realize that he has reached. I believe he has reached the stage that Amitabh Bachchan was with Lal Badshah. It's time for him to go on to gra- gravitate towards different kinds of roles. Maybe Varun Dhawan's father, that kind of role. And I think you'll see his, you'll have a great Ouch. career. You'll have a great career after that. Like the Amitabh Bachchan, it was very difficult for Amitabh Bachchan to realize that you know his day was over. He was the super, he was the superstar, the greatest. But even him, there is a point after which it becomes a law of diminishing returns. And he was able to make the successful transition to, to Mohabbate and, uh, and a fairly successful career in the 2000s. And I think it's time that uh, Shah Rukh Khan realized, realizes that you know, he's a good actor. So I Absolutely. think he'll be able to make the transition, just like Amitabh Bachchan was able to. I don't think Salman Khan will be able to, but uh, Shah Rukh Khan definitely can. And even sorry, he, didn't didn't mean to derail you into this conversation. No, no, no. But even Amir Khan has like really, if if there's any lesson that Amir Khan should should get is that, you know, he should do dangal kind of movies where he's playing the father. It would be the major role, but that works for him. If he tries to play a swashbuckling cavalier as he as he played in this in this monstrosity, it's going to be a big flop because again, even Amir Khan, ageless Amir Khan, just yes, just can't do it anymore. Okay, moving on. So uh, today, let's uh, first talk about you know there's there's a lot of things to talk about, but you know let's start with a news item which I felt needed a lot more analysis than it got, which is uh, Priyanka Gandhi uh, coming into formally coming into politics. Now, I, I think it was summed up best by this news, New Zealand newspaper, which said Priyanka Gandhi joins the family business. I think it doesn't. That's it. Uh, I think it summarizes perfectly what, what this is. In previous podcasts, I've always said that I don't necessarily find this to be a problem. This is privilege. Uh, all of us have it. Priyanka Gandhi, uh, you know, we get our father's uh, bank balance or bank account as our inheritance. You know, she gets the co-leadership of a major political party. So it's just a matter of Congress is a family business. If if you haven't recognized it, uh, then the joke's on you. So it's not a question of the legitimacy of her joining. It was fairly inevitable. It was the timing of her joining, which I found particularly interesting. Now, of course, what was predictable was, of course, the (laughs) kind of reaction from our national media because, <laughs> because, because Priyanka Gandhi, you know, she, the problem with Rahul Gandhi is it's very difficult to, to, because Rahul Gandhi, despite what people want to you to believe has been, 
has been here for the better part of 10 years, even more than 10 years, in which he's thoroughly embarrassed himself in different ways. The great thing about Priyanka Gandhi is she's a clean slate. So she can be built up like Taimur Ali Khan using good PR. Uh, unfortunately, Rahul Gandhi is at a stage where he's beyond even Nick Jonas's PR. He's at that stage. So it's very difficult to, you know, on a straight face to say that Rahul Gandhi is somebody who can take this country forward. It's very difficult. I'm not saying that people don't do it. Um, I mean, that's the difficulty of being a Congress stooge, that you have to do these things. But it's, it's, it, it is getting a little frayed at the edges. With Priyanka Gandhi, there is a fresh face. Uh, she's, she's a woman, so she brings that thing into the equation. So, um, and she's, as I said, that is, she's not bringing in any baggage, except, of course, her husband. Now, what I find, again, I'll come back to the point of timing. You know, why would, why would she be brought out at this, this point of time? When Rahul Gandhi is possibly enjoying his, you know, his greatest days. There were many occasions before where the party faithful have asked Priyanka Gandhi to take a more active interest to kind of take over uh, the family business. This was particularly true after Congress's wipeout in the last general elections when they were really at their lowest point. And I would say even after the Uttar Pradesh elections, when state elections, when possibly they were even lower. After that, Rahul Gandhi's fortunes have seen an upswing, not for him, not because of anything he has done, but because of what the federal government has done. Anyways, this is the time when, you know, he's rightfully getting his place in the sun. Uh, his, his social media profile has, is, 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 I think one of the big problems that Rahul Gandhi had was in the initial phases of his career. His career was being handled by Digvijay Singh, Kapil Sibal, the, 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 the Congress coterie. And the problem with these guys was they were not very savvy about new age and new age communication medium. So Rahul Gandhi just uh, you know put his foot in the mud too many times. And these people were just not able to rescue him. So these the, the old guard basically works through massaging the media. They cannot deal with social media and videos being taken through cameras. They want to. They, they basically have five or ten people who they know control the diffusion of news, and they control all of them through a system of incentives. In this day and age, there is no, not ten people who are influencers. There are millions. So they were not able in the beginning of uh, uh, Rahul Gandhi's career to control the narrative, and that led to Rahul Gandhi become irrevocably papu. There's no way he'll ever get around being Papu. Now, of course, later on, you know, they, they, they stepped up their game. Uh, they, they got better people in their social media cell. And Rahul Gandhi is now, we saw in that video, which, which went viral a few months ago, how Rahul Gandhi stood like a doll. And, and people like uh, Sindhya and everybody were telling him, tell him that, tell him that. It was like a little kid in a, in, in a school play who's forgotten her lines. And she's standing there and the prompter and the parents are saying, aye. Say this, say this. So Rahul Gandhi is, is still like that, except that now his 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 media appearances are much better managed than they were previously. So the point again is that he's kind of getting into his groove. Why put Priyanka Gandhi and dilute his brand at this point of time? The only person who should really be concerned about Priyanka Gandhi coming into national politics is actually Rahul Gandhi. This is less a problem with BJP and more a problem with Rahul Gandhi. Uh, because I just feel that 
that now there are two people in Congress with exactly the same criteria that is needed to become the leader of the party, which is the last name. And why would Rahul Gandhi be happy with this, especially when it's very obvious that his sister, again, starting with a clean slate, is going to be projected a leader ahead of him. I think everybody would expect at this point of time that Priyanka Gandhi, uh, maybe it it will be that Rahul Gandhi, because of his quote-unquote seniority, will still be uh, will still be pushed upon this country as a prime ministerial candidate. But I think it's going to be very difficult for him to even in front of his faithful to justify why Priyanka Gandhi should not be, and he should. Important thing that I, another important, now here's my hypothesis, not backed by any data, but I think um, her coming into the politics is is in a way to make sure that uh, her her rather colorful husband does not get thrown under the bus. At this point of time, his legal troubles are piling up. You know, the uh, they're coming home to roost at this point of time. And it's very important that somebody who really loves him uh, be in politics. And I think this is this is perhaps the only, only thing that which I believe explains why she would want to come into politics at this point of time and eat into her brother's glory, which is I don't think that Congress are going to get more seats because of Priyanka Gandhi. Only thing that's going to happen is that Rahul Gandhi's glory and Rahul Gandhi's future as the head of the party is now being called into doubt and whether Rahul Gandhi will be able to take this moving forward and if he hasn't realized it yet. And also what it means in terms, but one thing is sure, in a few years, we will be referring to it as not as the Gandhi Nehru family, but as the Gandhi Nehru Vadra family. So now you will have their children um, becoming uh, prime ministerial candidates. So um, not only are we leaving our next generation with global warming and melting of polar ice caps, we're we're leaving them with another hyphenated addition to India's royal family, and I'm sorry for that. Um, moving on, uh, the second topic that we wanted to talk about is the budget, which, of course, in, in this during this time of the year, everybody becomes an economist. Everybody, everybody seems to be able to understand uh, what they say. And I, I'm, I've never been really interested in the budget, even though my dad is an economist. And every year we knew that when the budget period comes out. My father is going to be, he's going to write a few articles in Telegraph and we're going to get this funny money and this means I'm going to have biryani. So budget is always associated with biryani in my mind, strangely so. Uh, And every time I remember my father telling me the story about a very prominent left-wing economist uh, who shall go unnamed, uh, who, so right after the budget was announced, and this this is pre-social media day, so there was no like instant feedback. So the first time you read about the budget was in the next day's papers. So, and there were no channels which were like covering it live. All you got to see was, you know, Pranab Mukherjee or YB Chavan, you know, uh, delivering uh, their budget. So all the economists in Calcutta next day, they would have their analysis. Uh, so my father asked this uh, left-wing economist, like, how are you, how can you, like, you have your stuff done the next day? Now, how can you be so quick? He said, but I write the whole thing before the budget is announced. 
Of course, I know what it is. It's going to be anti-people. I mean, I know it. I mean, he's a communist, of course, and they were always Congress. So, you know, I, I know exactly what I'm going to write. I have it. Oh, I just put a few numbers here and there. And how long does that take? But most of it is written already. So that is a, that is the thing about budget. A budget is never evaluated fairly. So you know that the Congress, the Congress and the opposition is going to say it's an anti-people, blah 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 budget, and the BJP is going to say it's a great budget. But at least, and I, I honestly speaking, I don't have any great insight which you wouldn't have anywhere else. So I'm not going to repeat what other people are saying. But for me, the only only thing which kind of attests to the quality of the budget is the criticism that came from the opposition. I think the predominant criticism that came from the opposition was you were doing this in an election year why didn't you do it before now if 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 right. that's if that's the criticism then I think that implicitly saying there's nothing wrong with the budget because there's not been I mean yeah there's there's of course congress you know they had this very very hilarious tweet about like the 6000 and then dividing it by 12 and making it into 500 and saying truth uh, is 6000 a year truth 500 rupees per month so 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 of course you know congress wouldn't be congress if it didn't do that uh but other than that uh i think it was a fairly good budget i'm happy that you know the direct cash transfer part of it isn't too much because as someone who's not a believer again not as an economist but reading about opinions of economists um, I just, I just don't, un- I just feel as a matter of principle that the government is not in the business of taking money from one person and essentially transferring it to somebody else. So my tax money is going somewhere else, like it's a direct cash transfer. I think the role of a government is as a, as a big investor, as a big investor, which which creates the infrastructure, which creates the superstructure in which the nation could grow. That's the way I perceive government, not as some, not as some benign entity, not not really benign entity, which is doing income distribution, redistribution, and you know, direct cash transfers is income distrib- redistribution in the most crude form. Uh, so, I'm, so I'm not really a big fan of this, but at least it's not a lot, and I understand, I understand the compulsions of electoral po- politics and. Uh, Sagrika Ghosh, of course, my my favorite journalist. She made a, uh, she made this. This is, this is Hindutva socialism. So, in a way, she's right because all our governments are socialist. I mean, she of course uses for her Hindutva is like the, is you know that she likes calling people gutter snipes also. So, you know, gutter snipe and Hindutva these are all like you know the worst words in her lexicon. <laughs> uh, so she she everything is Hindutva now. The the, the, the of course I mean it's. It, it, I want to move beyond criticizing Shagarika Ghosh and people are saying, you know, why do you go over them anyway? They're not significant enough. But I kind of disagree. They are significant because they're influencers and a lot of people, a lot of people, because of the you know, bully pulpit that they have. I mean, she doesn't have the bully pulpit she used to have, but she's still pretty influential in the sense that she's a regular fixture in, in all of these think fests and, uh, and uh, you know, lit fests. So the point isn't really... The point isn't really, oh, what she said was, uh, you know, didn't make any sense. I mean, some of it did make sense because most of our budgets that we get are very socialistic nature. The whole nature of a budget is, it's, it's very, it is very core. The fact that the government is coming out announcing all these policy decisions all in one go, 
and that everybody is waiting and the reporter is going and asking the lady and and the lady is saying in the, the whole cliche what will xyz uh, goods cost how will how expensive a phones going to be how expensive a washing machine is going to be the very fact that the government and not the market dictates what prices are is just kind of uh, makes me go like this and it is a legacy of our socialist past you know in our planned economy where basically whatever the government says is really the way things are going to be um so in a way it is socialism but again uh what i find hilarious is the liberal media's you know the liberal media suddenly becomes very economically right when a bjp government presents an essentially socialist budget they but it's absolutely fine when the congress does it it's absolutely fine no but none of them are economic right at that point of time it's good to be economic right but you should be consistent and that's the problem that i that, that i have with you know you know the, our liberal our liberal media of which of course sagrika ghosh is is a representative of that <laughs> media is that she they, they they're selective outrage it's not that it's not a it's not that i fundamentally disagree with her point about it being socialism but i find that her her economic right wingism is becomes linked as to who is giving the budget so the same thing done in madhya pradesh would be considered great you know the same thing when congress does amrega is great but something similar with the bjp does is not great because of course hindutva that's the word tell that's, me something uh, yes. is the budget a big deal in the us i know i mean uh, we do hear a little bit about passing the budget but is there a big halabalu about presenting the budget and somebody reads it out no no there's, 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 no, no, there's no halabalu about the budget in the us so the budget in the us is not about what will be the tariff on your cigarettes or what will be your tariff on uh, this this and that and whether mobile phones will be more costly or whether or, or whether kumkum will be made less costly or whether <laughs> the duty from agarbatti is being brought down from 7.8% to 7.6% or whether a tariff is now going to be called a cess no nobody that is not what a budget bill is in the budget bill it's about financing the arms of the government so it's which you know how much so the government has a pot of money so what programs are they are they going to spend it on many of it is essentially okay this is the nap, uh, the budget for nasa this is the budget for you know parks so this is all about government internal spending it is very rarely got to do with putting a tax here or putting a cess there okay so most of these things in in the us these tax and cesses are more done by the state governments then they're done by central so they in in the us these taxes they're done at the state level they're done at the county level so that you pay a, you know a, a, some kind of tax to the county you know there is the, the, so the system is very different but yeah nobody really bothers about the budget bill here it's not there's no obsession with the budget it only happens when you have something like this with the budget bill doesn't get passed that's and then the federal uh-huh. government shuts down so why does the federal government shut down the federal government shuts down because essentially they are not passing the bill to finance the government right so for fda for instance the the budget bill is to finance the fda so next year i'm going to spend so much but it's for the next year now when the next year expires you have to pass another budget bill now if you prevent that budget bill from being passed then you're essentially running an running a company or agencies with no money allocated for them so that's why they shut down okay so it's not that the money isn't there 
That's why they all retroactively get their salaries. Right. The money's there, but it just doesn't get passed. Nobody signs and says, okay, it's approved. And this is not, this is done only as a bargaining chip, as you as you saw over here. Right. The whole thing right. was about the wall. It has nothing to do with finances at all. I mean, it does, you know, basically Trump wants 5 billion to build a wall. Again, this is a question of not taxation in this case. In the US, when you have a tax bill, like Trump's tax thing, which got passed, it was a separate tax bill. And right, it's got right. nothing to do with budget. So even the tax bill is about income tax. It's not about, you know, kumkum or agarbatti. So it's <laughs> because the US here understands that, you know, those are things which are left best left to the market or best left to the local local governments to decide. Uh, at least we don't have the, rail, the railway budget anymore. Otherwise, that yes. used to be the trailer to the actual budget. Yes, yes, that used to be the trailer. God knows why. We, I mean, of course, there was a reason why we used to have the railway budget because for years, the railways were really our all Google, Facebook, Microsoft all rolled into one, our biggest employer. So right. what the railway said essentially had a huge impact on our economy because the railways, that's why Mamata Banerjee always wanted to be the railway minister because there's nobody who's more powerful in terms of doing something for her constituents than the railway minister. Nobody else can. I mean, what, I mean, what can the home minister really do? Perhaps much more powerful, but the home minister can't do anything for you unless you're going to jail perhaps. But uh, <laughs> but the railway minister can. And of course, the, the importance of the railways has gone down over the years, but it's still a huge employer and still very influential. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, this whole budget thing is a legacy of our... Uh, of our obsession with the Soviet Union. I mean, the Soviet Union, the budget was a big deal. There was a five-year plan. There was a budget. And this this continues. And I, it's, as I said, fundamentally socialist. So what are you going to do about it? The third point that I wanted to talk about was kind of funny. This, you know, it was just funny, tragic. And, you know, during um, the, the, the doing, I guess she was celebrating Nathuram Godse Day. There was this lady, I don't, don't remember her name. Actually, I don't even want to remember her name. Uh, she was doing what what I would call sangaskari cosplay, where uh, where she was uh, she had a gun and she was pretending to shoot Mahatma Gandhi. Now, there are two things about it that there's you everybody has freedom of opinion. I I, I get it, um, and I don't agree with and I don't agree with Mahatma Gandhi in many ways. I do not think that Mahatma Gandhi was as great a person as he's shown to be. Well, that is kind of irrelevant. But when you're actually celebrating an assassination, you're celebrating the death of a human being, not not even celebrating the natural death of a human being, you're celebrating uh, the induced death of a human being with a gun. Of course, it's, it's beyond condemnation to do that. It doesn't matter who the person is or what his legacy is. Okay, But the problem is, again, in the very fact that I'm discussing this, I don't even know the name of the lady and I don't even want to know. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is this is exactly the way that non-entities now vault into the public media sphere by doing these kinds of weird stunts. And these, these stunts form the very basis, the very fuel on which our 24-7 news media subsists. This person, the main thing, the main, what we could have done is essentially not cover what she did. She was looking for media oxygen and the media dutifully brought along 15 cylinders of it. This is, and what this does is it basically, it, it incentivizes loons on 
in this case on the right hand on the right side of our political spectrum and there are many on the left side i mean as i've have said before you know the kanaiya kumars and all of these people they are they're essentially creations of the media if if you just if you feel that you know just ignore them that the worst thing is don't condemn them don't throw them into jail ignore them that's the main thing every time you know you put in a sedition against the kanaiya kumars of the world this is exactly what they want you know you're just giving them the very oxygen that lets their career flourish don't give it to them and similarly for this lady the fact that it was covered by the media the fact it was discussed by the media and the fact that the name of someone who we did not know uh 4 hours before now became you know became national news this is the source of the problem and i just uh, stupefy i mean i just i see this and i'm like oh, face pump a manoj kumar style <laughs> which which brings us to the main thing for today and which this this is really why i wanted raja on the show last time so we meaning to disc, you know talk about this for some time because as many of you n- know i used to re- review re- movies at one point of time uh and one of the reasons why i left reviewing movies and this was n- not the only reason but there other is that movie reviews have over the years just become overtly political and nobody enjoys movie reviews anymore now everything is seen through the prism of diversity sexism uh minoritism like you can't even write a review of a movie without having to and at that point of time it just feels it's not worth it uh but i still read reviews and i read this review of uh the thakare biopic by raja sen and uh, as i had said in my introduction uh to the to the to the podcast that you will never hear is that raja to for me i i i sincerely believe is a very very you know he's a very special reviewer in the sense that he is one of the very few reviewers who has his own personal brand like i started reading rajasen reviews in readif and then he's moved on to several other places but it's never been what does readif say because readif had other reviewers too um it was never what does hindustan times say it is what is rajasen's review and this is perhaps you know this is as a reviewer this is suppose the best thing that can ever happen is that when your review when your signature whether it be good or bad that's another thing but your signature is what sells it's not the organization that you belong to that you kind of transcend the organization and and raja in terms of movie reviews is one of the I can think of another person uh who has done that which makes him very you know which, which makes him fairly unique and he's also one of the first persons who really you know to become the, the the notion of virality of reviews and when i started off i used to review a lot of movies and uh, you know raja was kind of uh, you know kind of look at look at raja sen look at how popular he is you know he's writing reviews and he started off writing reviews in a very unique style um which was very different and when other people now write reviews in that way too but previously the reviews were the kind of reviews that taran adarsh writes you know first half there are two songs second half the movie gets a little heavy uh third uh, so, uh, third half you know at the end it uh, you know it becomes light again so it's very nice it's good for the family you take your grand so this was really what reviews used to be and and and, and raja brought you know just took it somewhere else you know he 
he really deconstructed movies very well. So I'm I'm a big fan of his reviews. I don't agree with it most of the time, but I do like the way he writes things. I think he's a, he's a very good writer also. So anyway, so the, the reason was that I, I read a review that he had written of the Thakare biopic, which is the which is now Nawazuddin playing Bal Thakare. And he gave I I think when we discussed he said two star, but I remember having seen one star to the to the movie. And his review was very interesting and I originally planned to talk about this solo but I, then I thought why not bring Raja and get him to talk about this and I f- still feel it would have been better if he was telling you this but I think what I read in that review was that the movie is is good cinema wise but that it's very hateful that that it does not try to in a way apologize for Thakare's legacy that it kind of presents it as it was and what comes out is is a very dangerous movie and that's why he uh, gave it one star or two star I, I, I don't know and for me this was uh, I thought about, a little bit about it so I was thinking about so what is it that makes a biopic if a good biopic is it one that presents the person as he was or as a but as the how we wish that person was now in india most biopics are essentially the latter so they're very very like if you look at the azaruddin biopic where the whole basic premise was that azaruddin didn't actually bet against the country but by he, this was like a sting operation that he launched on the on the bookies that by doing this he exposed them some some weird absolutely wrong justification for you know azaruddin's legacy it was it was so amazingly terrible that there was a scene which i had when i was the this was time when i used to review movies i found that scene hilarious where you know sangeet the you know where i forgot nargis fakri who played sangeeta bijlani there is he, he has gone with uh, his first wife uh, can't remember the name. Do you remember the name Vikram who was playing Noreen? I didn't see the movie. Okay, so there was this actress who was playing the who was playing Noreen, and they go to see a movie, and then the OAOA comes on, and uh, Nargis Fakri is playing uh, Sangeeta Bijlani, and Azaruddin is like seemingly shocked by the wantonness of the dance moves, and his wife is almost like getting aroused by it. I mean, I felt that this was <laughs> this was like the male fantasy this is like they're they're going to show azruddin in such a positive light that they're even willing to go here and say it's the wife who's more attracted towards sangeeta bijlani than azruddin azruddin is like looking here and there he's so like turned off by this oh this is too much i can't take it and so you know biopics are like that you look at guru okay totally whitewashes uh, the the legacy of ambani but you know is that a good biopic or is something which presents you know the person as he is and for the matter it, even gandhi even gandhi gandhi is again a, an entire whitewash but gandhi whitewash. but gandhi i can understand because in a way it was being made by a, a liberal it was a government of india effort with you know a not a very good a uh, british director even even with a sir attached to his name i mean so right. i mean gandhi is a badly made movie I and mean, if you see it 
I mean, as an Indian, I mean, I, I don't like E.T. at all, mainly because it, it's lifted from a Satyajit Ray movie without attribution. Um, because Satyajit Ray actually sent the whole, you know, he, he wrote a story outline and sent it to Spielberg and they just basically copied and made it into E.T. Uh, but I don't like E.T. because of that, but there is no reason why E.T. should have lost at the Oscars to Gandhi. Because Gandhi is like a... It, it, it's like a, I don't know, lifetime documentary. Uh, the production qualities are like that. And, but it won, it won because of the nobility of its topic, because again, uh, the British wanted to, you know, ap- apologize for imperialism by making this movie, uh, which I understand. It's, it's a noble effort, except that it's not a great biopic. And I've, God knows how many times we've been forced to see this movie because it was the only movie which was on Independence Day and Republic Day and Gandhi Jayanti and all, you know. But, uh, and in those days, you didn't have a choice. You had to watch it. So I mean, I've seen that movie so many times. It's not even funny. But, uh, but you know, is that a good biopic? Or is it a biopic which presents the original person the way he was? And if the original person never apologized for his darkness, why should the biopic? So... And when you are reviewing a biopic, it's not just a question of writing a review, but when you're evaluating a biopic, are you evaluating um, the movie? Are you evaluating how true it is to its source material? Or are you evaluating, is this good for the country? And I am become disappointed by this part. I'm Again, I've, perhaps the word disappointed is a strong word. But nowadays, when I look at the Oscars, I mean, there's the focus is purely has become changed from is this an entertaining movie or is it a good movie to diversity? You know, are you know are there diverse narratives? Is the cast diverse? And I understand the need for this. It's not that I don't understand it, but I just it just doesn't connect with me as somebody who goes in, spends two hours to see a movie, which it has to entertain or uplift me. And those things which are happening away from the screen, they don't affect me in, in any shape or form. You know, who the director is, the gender of the director, the color of the skin of the director, you know, that is not something which is coming out in the movie. If it does, then it's okay. If the sensibility of the director coming from his, his her gender or his her origins is coming out in the movie, I, I, I totally understand that. But otherwise, I, I, the fact that nowadays movies, and I'm not even going into the other, other aspects of movies where, you know, reviews are being bought and everything. That's, it's been done along many times. But this is particularly, again, present because many people now believe that in this year we had a number of right-wing movies. So I've always wondered what a right-wing movie actually is. Yes. So any kind of, so let's say Uri. Okay, so Uri is apparently a right-wing movie. Why is it a right-wing movie? It's a it's a patriotic movie about the military. Now, any movie which is about... So there are only two kinds of movies that are usually made about the military. One is uh, the kind of movies that Hollywood made in the 70s, which were essentially about the Vietnam War, which was critical of war, in a way. Um, that's one kind of movie. So Apocalypse Now, Thin Red Line, that genre of movies. And then there are other movies like, let's say, Guns of Navarone, which are, you know, unapologetically nationalistic. 
Okay. Now, some of the criticisms that you know made for Uri is that the Pakistani people are shown to be stupid. They're shown to be not bright, and that by doing that, it's a nationalistic movie, apparently. But I just don't believe that I've ever seen a Hollywood war movie in which Germans are shown to be. Uh, well, I can think of, I can think of Quentin Tarantino. But again, that was not really a World War II. It was an alternate history, Quentin Tarantino, Tino Atlamo. But, exactly. But uh, so he was he was going for something else. It was not a war movie at all. But uh, but that's Quentin. But conventional war movies and Uri is not. It's not. It's not a nudge nudge wink wink uh, Quentin Tarantino kind of movie. It's a very straightforward. You know, how's the Josh sir? Uh, movie, so it's not it's 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 of the border genre where literalism is everything. Uh, there is no allusion to anything else there. You know, I just don't understand why a military movie has to be if it's not critical of India or or it's not it, it's immediately a nationalistic right wing movie. Why is it not possible to make a movie celebrating the valor of our military? Because we Russ. Is has always been part. So apparently, it's it's you know anything which is virus is 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 right wing, and I just find this to be a lazy uh, connection, and 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 it it basically makes people afraid to make these movies. There are a lot of people who don't want to be perceived as right wing, but they want to make a movie which celebrates our achievements of our military. Celebrating the achievements of our military does not automatically make you right wing. Okay, there could be somebody could be right wing and left wing and no wing, and they could still be celebrating the glory of our military. And I just find this. And if you look at celebrating the glory of the military as being an essentially right wing thing, please, please look at Soviet propaganda. Okay, about celebrating the the valor of the Soviet forces, all of whom are communists. So you know, celebrating the valor of the military is by no means an uh, exclusive right-wing thing. Okay. Whether it be looking at North Korea, look at any kind of communist state, and you will find that the glorification of military is very, very high there. So this whole thing is not even historically true. But the fact that we have been we've been pushed into a place where anything which which casts the Indian military in a positive light, and not only Indian military in a positive light, but the Pakistani military in a negative light is seen to be right wing. This is just a connection which I personally strongly disagree with. Even uh, Lakshmi Bai is right wing now, apparently. So even Lakshmi Bai, which is again, again, why is Lakshmi Bai? For first, I let's keep my go Raksha. Yeah, yeah, let's keep my opinion of uh, Miss Ranao to the side for a second. <laughs> and and because all of us do have an opinion on her, but keeping it to the side, but the fact that yeah, okay, go Raksha, and nationalism she's talking about. I mean, the fact that it's being released in the election year is the problem. I thought there was the same problem in Uttar Punjab being released at that point of time, but it, you know, which was much more direct about the Badal government than than you know a movie which is set in in the british era so again it is attack anything which promotes anything for 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 the left for the left driven media which you know they unfortunately the problem is people are nowadays also afraid to say that they're marxists or they're because of the bad rap it's gotten but the ideas persist the idea persists is that you should be loyal to your identity 
which is not your nation. So you have your caste identity. You know, yeah, exactly. Your caste identity, your gender identity, your you know whether you're a worker at a mill, your that identity. These identities are good identities. You thinking in terms of a nation is a bad identity. Okay. So whenever you think yourself as an Indian, you are buying in. You're drinking the Kool Aid. Okay, because that is not because that is not an identity. So so they basically make distinctions between some good identities and some bad identities. Unfortunately, they take away the agency that you have. That you know, I'm a human being. I can choose whatever identity I wish to be. So if 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 I don't if I consider my Indian identity to be bigger than my Bengali identity, you cannot come and look at me and say, "Why am I doing that?" I for me, that's true. I do consider myself more an Indian than I consider myself more a Bengali, and I can think of at least five people I know who are exactly the opposite. So, so 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 this kind of selective. Uh, the selective glorification of some identities, and 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 similarly, you know, some identities being bad. You could see this. So if 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 I make a movie, um, you know, in my I haven't seen one, you know, I haven't seen the movies, and I'm I don't know how good it is, but I can only think of Manoj Kumar movies. I because those I have seen, and those were bad movies, but nobody said those were right wing movies at that point of time. I don't think Manoj Kumar was ever accused of being a right, you know, a, a right winger. And that you can you can define Manoj Kumar in many different ways with his with his hand covering his face or Doctor Nafees Mangi hai and 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 different things. But being right wing is not something which you would associate him with. Even much later was a was a movie like Lagan. I don't think when the the term right wing or anything was ever associated or even even Gadar, which was in fact uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, think even was- the term. Gadar was very difficult to watch because it was it was so it was it, it, because again it was not so much because it was left wing right wing it was because it was funny it was because it was funny in its overwrought in its overwrought hyper nationalism you see the problem with the problem with many of these you know people who want to shame is that you see I enjoy Gadar not because I'm right wing actually enjoy it from a left wing perspective because I think this is one movie where it goes over the top but I still enjoy it I still enjoy it in the same way that I enjoy it you know, the moment you start like Rambo the, like Rambo but it's it's even worse than Rambo I mean this is, Gadar is a terrible movie because you know the way Sunny but there's a Sunny Deol movie right it's not, Gadar isn't a Gadar isn't a movie about nationalism okay it's a movie where sunny deol goes back in the past okay and violates the laws of physics that's what gadar is and unfortunately this is the reason why i don't review movies anymore because nowadays every movie has to be seen through is it nationalism is it showing pakistanis in a good light is it does it take away their humanism dude when i'm going in to see a sunny deol movie please please i can't be asking those questions okay I want to see how many laws of Newton is he breaking. That's the only metric that makes sense for me when I'm watching a Sunny Deol movie. I want to see where, how, how. I mean, what is, like, what is the, uh, the decibel amount, the, the dB of his loudest scream? These are the things which Sunny Deol <laughs> movies are famous for. Why are you looking at politics behind Gadar? You shouldn't be. And you know, even in a great movie like Garam Hawa, again, this is a, this is a point I brought up in my debate with Rajasen. You see, the Garam Hawa is. A, a left-wing movie. Nobody, by the way, nobody calls it a left-wing movie. It's a great movie. Nobody calls it a left-wing movie, but it was made by people who were who belonged to the Communist Party. If you remember the end sequence of Garam Hawa, uh, Balraj Sahni goes and joins a group of people who were very evidently workers protesting for their rights. 
So the main what the movie is saying is that religion brings you apart. Join the workers and the peasants. Uh, again, it okay. I'm not going to interpret that as a left-wing propaganda movie at all. I, I, when I sing Garamhawa, it's, it's one of the greatest Hindi movies I've seen. Uh, definitely the greatest movie made about the partition. So this is what I believe. And when people are, the moment people see, oh, there is uh, there is uh, Anupam Kher in a movie. Ergo, it's a right-wing movie. Okay, Which brings us to Accidental Prime Minister. Now, when the, when the movie came out, I'd said, uh, this this the problem with propaganda movies. It's a propaganda movie. That's fine. Is that at least it should be well made. It looks so terrible. The 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 trailer looks so terrible. I wish they had gotten a better person to make this. That's a valid criticism. The the invalid criticism is how dare they mock uh, Manmohan Singh. That is an invalid criticism because Manmohan's because I always hear that the. Even even the politically correct people say that the powerful can be mocked. You should not punch them. I'm pretty sure people will agree that the Prime Minister of India is not somebody who's powerless. That, the, that you know, making fun of Manmohan Singh is not punching down by any definition of the term. So why cannot we make fun of Manmohan Singh? Why cannot we show him in a poor light? By the way, in Sanju, when they show Atal Vihari Vajpayee in an extremely poor light, nobody seemed to have a problem with that. Okay, it was he was shown in extremely poor lines. I, 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 when I said this on, on Twitter, people said, "Oh, that's not Atul Vihari Vajpayee; it's Narasimha Rao." As if that makes it any better. Okay, first of all, it is Atul Vihari Vajpayee. If you have read the history, if you know what they're talking about, they say in the movie that you know Atul, you know the person who apparently says, "I was a big friend, I was a great friend of your dad." That was Atul Vihari right. Vajpayee. Okay, and and I I, I I have shown on Twitter with links as to articles written years ago where they talk about that. So this is a fact. That is Atal Vihari Vajpayee. So if you want to even interpret this as Narasimha Rao, fine. If it's Narasimha Rao, again, why would he go to Narasimha Rao at that point of time? Because he's, they said in the movie, somebody who's very influential in the government, that wouldn't be the prime minister, right? So uh, so they, he goes and he meets him. They make It's perfectly fun. Fine to make fun of people. It's perfectly fine. Using I have no problems with that. But why can't we show Manmohan Singh in a poor light? How does that very fact make it a bad movie? Because that is what I read in the reviews of Accidental Prime Minister. Oh my God, they showed Manmohan Singh in a poor. They showed Manmohan Singh as a kind of like, you know, strange walking. Uh, this might be bad acting. but And the purpose of the movie is to show them in a poor light. That is also true. But that itself is not what makes it a bad movie. A bad movie is, does it work as a movie? And that is the only criterion for it. Unfortunately, we have seen this and we've, this is, again, since we get our cues from Hollywood, this is, I've seen this in Hollywood too, that nowadays movies are not seen as as, as just movies. In in America, perhaps the, the in a war movie, I haven't, well, I, I that's why I brought up in the last uh, interview the, the question of Hurt Locker. So Hurt Locker, again, is, is, is a war movie which is not glorifying so much. So this is the movie of the the war movie of the political correct is Hurt Locker. But America also makes a lot of other other very very you know the let's say 
the Independence Day kind of movies. Okay, nobody, nobody interprets them as right-wing movies. I haven't seen anybody ever call Independence Day, where the American president uh, basically single-handedly <laughs> takes out the aliens and unites the world as a, you know, they, to me that is the Hollywood gather. Okay, it's the same thing. I do I enjoy Independence Day absolutely, but I enjoy it if 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 you now ask me to put a lens on American geopolitical realities and in American imperialism, maybe I won't enjoy the movie. Maybe, it, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Air Force One. I mean, all of us loved Air Force One when we watched it. Were we watching it with the, the, the was that in Harrison Ford single-handedly taking out terrorists? Was that unbelievable? Yeah, sure, it was unbelievable. But that doesn't necessarily make it a right-wing movie. Unfortunately, I know what what people are thinking by saying right-wing movies when when the government is being not being criticized and if the government happens to be right-wing double points for that it immediately becomes a right-wing movie so if you have a movie which shows that the surgical strikes never happened that would be considered to be next greatest thing after citizen came it doesn't matter if that movie is directed by kantisha doesn't matter it, it all the, the thing matters is is the theme in consonance with the liberal viewpoint and if it isn't be prepared to have the and again for some movies like uri it doesn't matter it's made an insane amount of money and i think it's a good movie i haven't seen it again but based on the reviews like user reviews that i have seen people who don't see everything through the prism of politics it's a good movie and again it's good movie in its genre do i expect to see a nuanced discussion about the futility of war i don't think so and that's not really what the movie is about every movie should be judged in my opinion i know i might be in a minority now is that given my expectations of what the movie is going to be again with accidental prime minister it set the expectations now if i go to watch zero and i expect to see casablanca then the jokes on me so does the movie satisfy my expectations of it given what it has conveyed that i believe should be essential in assessing whether it is good or bad which brings me back finally to the notion of a biopic for me a great biopic is one that does not flinch in showing the bad things about a person as a matter of fact i'm more interested in that than i'm seeing Uh, a PR piece. If I wanted that, then I would see it for free by just typing Taimur Ali Khan in Google. So that's it for today. Um, and uh, everybody, please uh, do send your feedback. Please do. Uh, again, I'll make a plug for the Patreon. I have a Patreon page where if you like this podcast, you can sign up for a monthly contribution, which would be greatly appreciated. A link would be at the bottom. Thank you. Yep. And that's patreon.com slash Great bomb. Great bomb. Yes. I think that's pretty much our podcast for today. So uh, please send in your feedback to appodcast at talkingstuff.net. And once again, the Patreon is patreon.com slash great bomb. Please do show your support. And uh, also check out WhatsApp Geeks, our tech podcast without the tech. We tell you tech news that makes sense to you. And we point out useful apps. In fact, my app pick this week will literally help you save tons of money. and uh, we answer tech queries so just check it up and that's whatsapp geeks and it's available wherever this podcast is 
and that's uh, that's it for this week we'll we'll see you next week thanks so much <laughs> bye bye